This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 28, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. During a pandemic, there's no room for bad governance, but much of what we've seen during this pandemic has been private sector efforts to help, effectively stymied by outmoded government rules. The Cato Institute has just published Evasive Entrepreneurs and the Future of Governance. In the book, Adam Thierer explores why innovators of all stripes, medical researchers included, are now using new technological capabilities to pressure policymakers to reform laws and regulations that are outmoded, inefficient, or counterproductive. We spoke last week. Well, what's been amazing to me uh, over the course of this crisis is the fact that so many average Americans have risen up in anger and frustration with government officials and agencies about their response efforts to the COVID outbreak. And the result has been a sudden surge of evasive entrepreneurialism and technological civil disobedience with institutions and policies collapsing all around us. People are taking advantage of all sorts of new, exciting technological capabilities, devices, and tools to come up with pragmatic solutions to tough real-world problems, and in this case, in an attempt to basically improve or save lives uh, as government has really mangled this response. Any examples? Yeah, there's been lots of examples of how average folks have uh, risen up to help. I mean, think about all of the distilleries around the countries who, around the country who started producing hand sanitizers to address shortages, um, or other people online have come up with do-it-yourself type of hand sanitizer recipes or techniques. Um, there have been people who've used 3D printers to help make medical devices using off-the-shelf hardware or open-source blueprints. Some doctors and hospitals have been writing the playbook for dealing with the coronavirus on the fly by trying to figure out ways to convert old breathing machines into ventilators using various types of parts. But it's well beyond that. I mean, it's really quite incredible. Um, One of the most successful and popular coronavirus tracking websites in the world was created by a 17-year-old student who used his coding skills to build something after, after growing frustrated with official government sites. Uh, and it's now widely utilized by people. It's uh, ncove2019.live. And um, there's an example of two high school science uh, teachers in Tennessee who set up their own testing operations in the high school lab to help deal with uh, testing times in their remote area. So what's happening here is a sort of bottom-up, decentralized, spontaneous form of open innovation among the public, which in many cases is butting up against existing laws or regulations only to basically say, the heck with it. We need to innovate in order to improve or save lives. So what is the problem with uh, how the government regulates these kinds of activities? Uh, I spoke with Will Reinhardt of the Center for Growth and Opportunity recently, and uh, he said at least in the in the case of developing diagnostic tests, uh, the FDA that normally has a pretty light hand with respect to diagnostic tests in non-emergencies, during emergencies, suddenly uh, turns the gears of uh, heavy-handed regulation. Yeah, unfortunately, we have a lot of government agencies and officials in this country, specifically at the FDA, CDC, and other public health institutions, who are really just basically totally beholden to like process and proceduralism. 
They basically say everything has to go by the book to the point of basically insanity. It's it's a complete lack of common sense. We would really hopefully have agencies and officials that would look at exciting, innovative things the public's doing in response to a crisis and say, this is great. Uh, maybe give them some advice about how to do it better or work with them. Instead, the first insp- instinct among the sort of command and control crowd is that like, nope, we've got rules. We've got to enforce them no matter what. You've got to play by them. And that has resulted in some really unfortunate incidents, including going back to the beginning of the outbreak uh, out in Seattle, when a Seattle-based lab basically had come up with an effective COVID-19 test that it had accidentally stumbled upon by trying to figure out another type of better flu test in general. It was a a, a lab supported by uh, Bill Gates's Gates Foundation. And basically the Gates Foundation and many local doctors contacted federal officials and say, hey, we're onto something here. We've got a solution. And yet the FDA and CDC didn't want anything to do with it. They basically threw up all sorts of roadblocks. And finally, the New York Times heard about this. And the New York Times, not exactly a paper that is usually very critical of the regulatory state. In fact, they're quite sympathetic to the FDA and others. The New York Times journalist who wrote about this expressed such exasperation about, quote, how existing regulations and red tape, sometimes designed to protect privacy and health, have impeded the rapid rollout of testing nationally. And they and other newspapers have have written headlines just screaming about, quote unquote, how the government failed or flawed tests and red tape and resistance and the lost month, end quote. And so basically, these are all examples of how newspapers and others are realizing that the government is probably getting in the way of effective responses to this crisis. And yet average people are saying the heck with it. We're going to go ahead and do these things. Uh, average people who are developing new technologies, including medical devices and uh, other things that uh, might be very helpful in a pandemic, but are nonetheless within the purview of uh, certain federal and state agencies. Um, How can people, let's say, who are sympathetic to the job that regulators are supposed to do, how can these agencies and the feds be more accommodating uh, without dismantling their uh, precious regulatory state? Well, what we need to do is we need to have a complete rethink of the way the regulatory state works. And we really we really need to have a, a spring cleaning, if you will, of really misguided old regulatory systems and red tape that have just become such a convoluted mess that even the regulators themselves struggle to enforce their own rules. And at some point, as I ask in in my new Cato Institute book on evasive entrepreneurs, I ask a question, you know, what is the law? What does the law really mean? And in America, what we care about is the consent of the governed and individual rights. And if we're going to have government and law mean anything, it has to be comprehensible. It has to be sensible. And it can't just be based on good intentions and procedures. That's not enough. We have to look at actual real world results. And what I argue in my new Cato book is that when government defies common sense and the consent and the governed to the extent that they have in the modern regulatory world, then basically the public revolts, that innovation becomes a form of resistance. And it is in in a sense almost a new check and balance, if you will, in an age when other legalistic checks and balances like congressional oversight or the courts has largely failed to keep the regulatory state in check. 
So we need a total rethink and a fresh start, if you will, to basically take on these old, crusty, old, archaic rules and regulations that are holding back sensible responses in a time of crisis. Uh, If you were able to wave a magic wand or have the ear of key members of Congress in, in terms of how to go about this, I mean, these are massive agencies with their own essentially lawmaking authority in in many cases uh what would you what would you say to them well i would say look you've already admitted that there's a problem with our regulatory state how have they admitted it well what's happened over the last month is that lawmakers at the federal and specifically at the state level have been relaxing pausing or even repealing regulations left and right they have basically said you know we understand These rules are holding up sensible responses to the crisis. So let's pause them. Let's suspend them. Let's freeze them. Let's uh, maybe even repeal them outright. Well, that's an admission by lawmakers that good intentions weren't enough and that the regulatory state has failed us. And so what I would like to do if I had a magic wand is to do something which shouldn't take a magic wand. This should be common sense. We should essentially have a system. And I've just written a paper on this with two of my colleagues at the Mercatus Center called a fresh start initiative that would basically identify and study all of the rules and regulations that have been revised or suspended during the crisis. And then second, would formulate a set of recommended regulatory reforms or sunsets for those rules. And then third, would would craft a plan or a a legislative package, if you will, of automatic sunsets that would take a form effectively immediately unless Congress or a state legislature rejected the entire package. Now, if that model sounds similar to you, it's because it's the model we used after the Cold War to figure out how to close military bases across America. This was the so-called BRAC Commission model, the Base Realignment and Closure Commission. And that BRAC model worked marvelously because no member of Congress in their own district was willing to shut down a base that was in their district. What they had to do is tie their own hands. They basically said, let's bundle together and study all of the military bases, and then have a group or an expert commission come up with a list of rules, or I'm sorry, in this case, bases that are no longer necessary, and then say that we should sunset them all up or down. We don't get a choice. We don't get amendments. We don't get to pull one or two of them out. It all has to go together. That worked. And it worked because it was a properly designed mechanism to allow reform to happen in an overly politicized world. We need a BRAC commission model for all the bad rules that have been identified in the wake of the COVID crisis. And luckily, our lawmakers have already helped us out and admitted, at least tacitly, that, yeah, these rules are problematic and counterproductive. Now we just have to figure out how to clean up this mess once and for all. How much do you think this crisis will focus the kind of attention that you would like to bring to this? I think it will, if for no other reason than because I'll go back to my main point about evasive entrepreneurialism and the topic of my Ducato book, which is that when people respond to laws and regulations by thumbing their noses at them or ignoring them just because they're exasperated or outraged, or maybe they're just morally offended by the, the sensibility of certain laws, at some point, lawmakers notice this. And the problem for law And the problem for government is that at some point, new decentralized technologies, what I call in my book, technologies of freedom or technologies of resistance, are making it easier than ever before for average folks to basically take matters into their own hands. Now, I would not say this is always wise or advisable. 
I would say that there are times when clearly the law makes a lot of sense and it needs to be enforced and people need to obey it. But increasingly, laws can be so just crazy or outdated or stupid that we, we rise up and use our new technological capabilities and information at our disposal to do something about it. And this has clearly been the case with things like licensing schemes at the state and local level or so-called con laws, certificate of need laws, which limit types of medical technologies. These, these, these laws are insane. It's crazy. Uh, there was a, a tweet storm that was going around today that was quite popular uh, on Twitter that basically was about whether or not barbershop regulations could be enforced all the way down to your home when you cut your own hair or a family member's hair. I mean, how crazy is it that we're living in a country now where that's even under consideration, whether or not barbershop laws and licenses should apply in your home? People are going to cut their own hair. They're going to cut their family members' hair, as they should be able to. And so this is, I think, the thing that's changed from 30, 40 years ago. We didn't have the same technological capabilities to engage in these forms of evasive entrepreneurialism or, as I call it, technological civil disobedience. A lot of... uh the benefits of a freer, more open uh, regulatory environment where people can just sort of decide for themselves, I'm going to do this, and they're not uh, con- particularly concerned and rightly not particularly concerned about uh, regulation. So much of that activity is cu- direct customer facing. And a whole lot of the regulation that we're seeing that that caused so many delays and potentially, you know, many thousands of of lives uh, around the world so far, uh, isn't really customer facing. That is, uh, individuals uh, out around the United States do not see clearly the direct costs and benefits associated with regulation. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I think sometimes it does unfortunately take a crisis for the costs of those sorts of hidden regulations to become evident. Um, but that moment is upon us, and we're uh, we're faced right now with the costs and consequences of a crusty old regulatory regime that, again, might have been well-intentioned when it was put into place, but ultimately just didn't either keep pace with the times or ultimately never served the purposes that it was supposed to. And that's really where I think we stand today and why we're seeing this widespread sort of evasive entrepreneurialism, especially in the realm of health, because people are so concerned now that these laws, maybe they don't even know about these laws, but they're, if to the extent they do, they're so concerned that these laws are holding back important types of progress that could be saving or improving lives. Adam Thierer is author of the new Cato book, Evasive Entrepreneurs and the Future of Governance, available now. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 